give God some praise. Lord, we welcome your spirit into this house this morning, God, to do what only you can do. We understand, Lord, that we are nothing without you, but through you and by you and, and you working in us, God, we are capable of exceedingly and great things, God. We pray that your spirit will come into this house this morning, steal every storm, evacuate every uh, feeling of oppression and depression and things that will hold us back and make us feel less than, God. You are great and greatly to be praised. We lift your name on high this morning, God. The Bible tells us that you inhabit the praise of your people so as we've been praising and honoring and worshiping you God you have been descending into this place this morning and I believe that you're here to set the captive free and to help those that are spiritually blind to see you in a brand new fresh way God do it in this house this morning I feel you doing it now God let your Holy Spirit reign supreme remove every stumbling block and anything God that would keep someone from hearing from heaven today in Jesus mighty name I pray and ask Amen and amen. Give him another hand clap of praise if you feel so inclined. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated in his presence. We thank you for joining us today. I know some people uh, probably still have some questions about uh, the message that went out yesterday. Um, Someone that was here last Sunday uh, at the 9 o'clock service uh, tested positive for COVID Friday. Uh, So if you're wondering why we still insist on bringing you in and taking you out and keeping you six feet apart, telling you what they told you on the first day of kindergarten, stay in your seat and keep your hands to yourself, it's because you don't always know how close you are to this thing. Even in the house of God, uh, we want to be wise. God expects us to use the wisdom that He's given us. Every church that's had what they call an outbreak Uh, that I have read about, and some of them are are in our denomination, and one of them was a friend of mine. Every church that's had what they call an outbreak, which is more than three or four people that got it, every one of them uh, went back to having church as usual, gathering in the altar, hugging uh, each other's necks, and and loving on each other. And that's what we want to do, and that's the the, the desire that we have. But wisdom tells us until this thing is taken care of, uh, you know, wave at each other. Don't touch your neighbor, just smile at them. Don't, don't, don't shake hands, just uh, you know, give an air fist bump from a distance. But wisdom tells us to, to operate according to the, the plan of God and, that he gives to us. And so that's what we're doing. And, and, and we're still able to come into the house, thank God. We're still able to worship him in spirit and truth. And, and you don't have to hug my neck in order to worship the king of kings. Praise the Lord. You don't need me to get to him. Uh, we're not in that religion. Amen. <laughs> So we're going to, uh, this morning, jump right into the Word of God because uh, I'm going to share with you something this morning uh, that I've I've been teaching for the past six or seven weeks, this theme of under God. And for the past three or four weeks, we have been examining what it means to be under God based upon who God is by the way He identifies Himself in Scripture, and that is by His names. Now, if you forced me into a corner and made me choose a favorite name for God, this morning's is going to be it. I'm going to introduce you to this morning uh, to El Shaddai. And and the old saying goes, and, and some of you are about to get mad at me because you think it's in the Bible. The old saying goes, God helps those who help themselves. But the Bible doesn't, not only does not not say that, it doesn't even teach that. Because God is the exact opposite of that. 
He doesn't want you helping yourself because He wants to be the sufficient supply in your life. And that's exactly what I want to introduce you to today, El Shaddai, which means the mighty sufficient one. It's used 48 times in the Old Testament, and every time it's used, God is introducing himself. He is showing off the fact that he is able to be sufficient. Now, stick a pin in that. I'll come back to that by the end of this message. We're going to begin with our scripture this morning in Genesis chapter 17, and this is the story of Abraham. Now listen to what the Bible says about Abraham in 17 and 1. When Abram was 90 years old and 9. So all you math majors. That's, a, that's 99 years old. He's 99. He, he, he's older than all of you. He's older than some couple of you put together. He's 99 and listen to what God says. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God. That's El Shaddai. God Almighty, Almighty God is El Shaddai. When he introduces himself in the scriptures as Almighty God, he's introducing himself as El Shaddai. He said, walk before me and be perfect or blameless. Verse 2 says, and I will make my covenant between you and me, and I will multiply you. How old was he? Do you know how a man gets multiplied? By having sons. Do you know how a 99-year-old man multiplies? Not like that. Not without some sufficient help from somewhere. Y'all ain't going to help me. Y'all quiet in here. I mean, a 99-year-old man needs some sufficient help from somewhere if he is going to multiply himself. That's why God first introduces himself in Genesis chapter 17. This is the first time he introduces himself as El Shaddai. And he makes a, a, a word here that, that I'm going uh, to introduce to you as well. He says, we're going to make a covenant together. Now, a covenant is an official arrangement. In other words, I'm going to make an agreement with you, Abraham, a legally binding agreement. But the thing I want to draw your attention to is that a covenant always, say always, a covenant always includes a plan for blessing each person. A blessing of God in your life is something He does to you that it might be expressed through you. I'm going to say that again. Because everybody in this church comes in here looking for God to bless some area of your life. You don't show up and get up on Sunday morning, brush your teeth, run a comb through your hair, and put on some semblance of Sunday clothes and come to the house of God not looking for Him to bless something in your life. Every person that comes to church is looking for some semblance of a blessing. But a blessing is God's favor to you so it can be expressed through you. In other words, it is never only what God does for me because He won't do it for me unless He can flow it through me. And unless he can flow it through me, he's not interested in giving it to me. Uh huh. So don't talk about wanting to be blessed unless you are also willing to be a blessing. Now this covenant was introduced back in chapter 12. We're in chapter 17. But all the way back in chapter 12, God introduced this covenant. And here's what the, here's what the Bible says. He told Abram, I, I'm so serious about blessing you. Here's how I'm going. I'm going to make other people bless you. 
And he says, anybody who blesses you, I'll bless them back. But anybody who messes with you, I got your back. Y'all ain't going to help me. See, see, this is what covenant really means. We don't understand covenant anymore because we stand in front of a preacher, we put rings on each other's fingers, and then we go our separate ways. And as soon as you don't satisfy me anymore, I go down to the courthouse and file some papers, and you and me go our separate ways and find somebody else because that's what we think covenant means. But that's not what God means when he means covenant. When he means covenant, he says, listen, as long as you are in covenant with me, Abraham, anybody who blesses you, they ain't got to worry about you writing them a check. I will write them a check but anybody who wants to get sideways with you better know I'm going to get between where they are and you are and I'm going to stick up for you because God takes covenant seriously okay so in chapter 17 he's telling him what's going to happen because of the covenant that he introduced in chapter 12 but something happened between chapter 12 and chapter 17 in chapter 16 chapter 16 verse 1 Sarah Abram's wife bare him no children, but she had a pretty handmaid, an Egyptian. I ain't even got time to tell you about the importance of that little statement right there, that, that Hagar was an Egyptian. Verse 2 said, And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray, go to my maid, that you may get a child with her. And Abram heeded the voice of God. Oh, that ain't what it says. Abram heeded the voice of El Shaddai. Uh, he, he heeded the voice of wise counsel. Oh, that's not what it says? No, he listened to his wife. Now, man, I'm not telling you never to listen to your wife. Don't you get leave this church and say, Bishop told me I ain't got to listen to you. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that even someone as close to you as your wife... If they are telling you something contrary to what God said to you, you better be listening to the voice of God above all others. El Shaddai better be speaking louder to your, vo to your ears than everybody else in your life, even somebody that you have another covenant with. I don't even have time to get into this, but here's somebody who he has covenant with who is his wife, but that covenant will never supersede the covenant that you should be making with heaven. Mm. Now, Abram was 75 years old when God made him the promise. And now in chapter 17, he's 99. So he's been waiting 24 years on God to fulfill his promise. So Sarah, his wife, says, you know God's a little long in the tooth. God's getting old. And maybe as he's getting a little old, he's getting a little forgetful. Maybe he forgot that 24 years ago he made a promise that you was going to have some kids. You know, maybe he needs a little help. God's moving a little slow these days. Maybe he got a little confused. So even though a promise was made 24 years ago, there's been no realization of the promise. And they get tired of waiting. And it's in the context of them being sick and tired of waiting on God that El Shaddai shows up. Now, I know nobody in this room is going to admit it because you're afraid somebody's going to look at you sideways. But I know there's got to be somebody here that knows like I do what it feels like when you think God has just taken too long. 
I know most of you are so full of faith. You woke up, you come out of the womb spoke, speaking in tongues, and you, you, you wake up every morning uh, with, with glory on your lips. But I, 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 just, I, just, I just wonder if there's any honest folks in here that sometimes God has made you a promise, but it just feels like, God, where are you? Why, God, why is this taking so long? I mean, I thought I was going to be married by this day. I thought I was going to be graduated by this age. I thought I'd be a homeowner by now. I thought I'd be in a career by now. I didn't know I was going to still be working at this gas station. I, I, I thought by now, God, I'd have everything straightened out. I'd have a couple of kids. I'd be, I'd be looking at retirement by now. I, God, what is taking too long? Is there somebody in this room that knows what it feels like when God, God, I thought my kids would be saved by now. I, I thought my kids, you said my child was going to be a preacher and they are still hooked on drugs. God, what is taking so long? Does anybody know what that feels like? And here we are with Abraham and Sarah waiting 24 years. I got folks, I can't get to wait on God 24 hours. And he'd been waiting 24 years for God to show up. The hardest place for a Christian to walk is on Meanwhile Street. That's the hardest place for a Christian to maintain their integrity, to maintain their character, is in the Meanwhile. And it's here that God shows up to Abraham and introduces himself as God Almighty, El Shaddai. El is the singular form of Elohim. Elohim, I told you, was a plural word. But El is the singular version of Elohim. Elohim shows up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is Elohim. Shaddai means breasted one. That's odd for God to be the breasted one. So let me help you understand that. When a woman holds her child... And breastfeeds that baby. She is supplying everything that baby needs for life. That baby will not get a cheeseburger for a while. That baby will not enjoy the wonderfulness that is Gus's Goodies Donuts for a long time. That baby gets one thing and one thing alone. He gets mama's breast milk. And breast milk is enough to sustain life through that child, through their existence. Everything that child needs, all of its nutrients, everything needed to keep that child sustained and not hungry and fulfilled comes from its mother. And that's what that word Shaddai means. That word Shaddai means that God supplies everything you need to survive. Now that does not say He survives. Every, he gives you everything that you need to make you happy. It does not say that He gives you everything to make you want to run and jump and clap your hands. Because sometimes survival is ugly. I wish I had a witness. Sometimes survival is a black eye and a couple of bloody knees. My, my back is bowed. My, my, my limp is heavy. Uh, my, the weight on my shoulders has caused me to feel hunched back. I, I, I can't see out of one eye. I lost my hearing, but I survived this thing. I, 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 didn't, I did not know if I was going to get out, but Shaddai has brought me out. I've got the nutrients I need. He, he's giving me the strength to survive it. I don't look the same. I ain't acting the same. I am beat up. I am messed up, jacked up from the floor. But thank God I'm still here because he was enough to get me through. Now, now the problem that we have is we've got this mindset that God's supposed to make us happy. Survival is ugly. Survival is sometimes messy. And that's what Abraham and Sarah's problem is. They can't create life. 75, 99. They are incapable of supplying what they need. 
So God says, I'm going to work it out through my name. El Shaddai. The breasted one. I'm going to supply what is needed to bring forth whatever I promised you. I made a covenant with you. And I would never make a promise to you that I can't keep. That I take covenant too serious for that. So if I made a covenant to your 75-year-old self, it does not make any difference that you are now 99 because I'm still El Shaddai. I was El Shaddai when I told you I would do it, and I'll be El Shaddai when I bring it to pass. It, the difference is not in God. The difference is in the, the receiver. And this is a lesson that we all need to learn. God does not need and God does not want our help. Meaning that we should never go outside of God's plan to help God's plan. I'm going to say that again for those in the back. We should never go outside of God's plan to help God's plan. If He told you He's going to do it, He don't need you to get outside of His will to bring it to pass. If he told you you would not die alone, you don't need to date somebody that ain't in his covenant. If he told you that he was going to uh, pay your bills and be your supply, you don't need to steal from your neighbor in order to pay your bills because God is able to do it without you getting outside of his will. Uh-huh. When we do, not only do we not bring our help, we actually delay our help. Because after they meddled in God's plans and he staggered into the wrong tents, He put off the promise because he created a distraction named Ishmael. And it's after he creates this other child that is not the child God wanted him to plan for, God introduces himself as El Shaddai. He said, I don't think you heard me the first time. I don't tell you that I'm going to do something unless I plan to do it. And I don't need you going into another tent creating another ability. I'm capable all by myself. My name is El Shaddai. When he created the heaven and the earth, he didn't have anything to work with. So he's going to do this the same way. <laughs> he created, it's called Ex Nilio. Uh, on my Facebook, I've, I've, uh, my, my description is Ex Nilio because it means out of nothing. He created out of nothing. That's what he created me from. Out of nothing. I brought nothing to God, but God loved me anyway. He created me out of nothing. And what that teaches you about El is this. You don't have to see how he's going to do it. Because he doesn't need your raw materials to get it done. He looks at Abraham and he says, Evidently, you need to know my name. As El Shaddai, I can work behind the scenes. I work when the lights are off. I work in the invisible realm. And I bring something out of that realm into the place where you can see it. In other words, Abraham, when I operate as El Shaddai, you don't always see what I'm doing, but you got to trust that I'm doing something in the irregardless. See, see we can't see how he's going to work things out. We just have to trust that if he said it, he's going to do it. We can't see how he's going to make things better, but he is a God that always makes things better. We can't see how he's going to make a way, but he is a God that alights our path and causes everything to work for our good. That's why we need to know who El Shaddai is, the one who is sufficient. See, this is why his name, El Shaddai, is my favorite name. If you had to make me pick one name for God, it's El Shaddai that is my favorite because it's amazing. It's amazing to me how God orchestrates my life to depend totally on him. And how often I get in the middle of it and mess myself up. I'm the only one. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. 
Oh, I'm the only one that I know God is able, but I'm going to help. I know God said, but I'm going to do my thing anyway. It's amazing how God orchestrated a mother's milk. See, he's El Shaddai, the rested one. He's the one that has all the nutrients to keep us alive. It's amazing when you, when you learn how a mother's milk works. You know, as long as a baby needs it, a mother's milk flows. And if she wants to stop the flow, you know how she stops the flow? You ladies know. You stop feeding. And as soon as the need is gone, the supply quits. But as long as there's a need, if a woman has children back to back, her body will produce. Because the supply is always going to be ample for the need. As soon as the need is supplied and is no longer called upon, then the supply will dry up. And because God constructed the supply to keep coming, why? Because He's the sufficient one. One baby grows up, have another baby, that breast that was dry, the supply will come back to meet the need. Now where in the world do you think He got that idea from? Because He knows that just because He met your need, that's why you ain't supposed to ever get jealous of me. Just because He met your need, don't mean He ain't got ample supply to meet my need too. If He blesses the church down the road, we ain't got to get jealous of what he's doing at the church across the street he got plenty enough he's got ample supply to do what I need him to do in my life the only time we ever get jealous is when we look across and we say oh you got yours that means I can't get mine but he has ample supply as long as you are there to pull the need out God says I got plenty enough where that came from I got more than enough that's El Shaddai So what many of us are actually doing is we are delaying the blessing of God by going to illegitimate avenues to fix what we think He can't fix or when we think He's taking too long to fix it. We get lonely and we make terrible choices. We get depressed. We make terrible decisions. We start hanging out with the wrong folks in the wrong crowds, in the wrong places, going farther than we know we should have went, and uh, completely ignoring the Word of God, all because we have uh, instant gratification that we're trying to meet, even though we, do, we, are, we, are, uh, we are getting past our destiny and our purpose that we know is in the future. We're saying, feed me right now, and I don't care about the future. I, I'm lonely now. I'm hurt now. I'm depressed now. And as long as you will give me something that can get, satisfy this journey I'm not worried about tomorrow and God is the opposite of that oh let me let me just preach right there for a minute any person any job any addiction any habit that is only able to meet your immediate need that is a sign you need to avoid that thing because God is never interested in keeping you satisfied and satiated right now God is always taking you farther and getting you ahead and advancing you So people start putting needles in their veins and staying out drunk four nights a week and hopping from bed to bed because they're trying to meet an immediate need, get instant gratification. And you can always know that that is never the Lord because God is never trying to just meet a need that you have right now. He is always supplying more than enough. He's El Shaddai. He is supplying more than just right now. He ain't going to let you mess up today that's going to ruin your tomorrow. That's not God. 
And so, so many of us are actually canceling our blessing, delaying our blessing, because we're going to illegitimate avenues to fix a temporary situation. That's good. What do you think Paul meant in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 when he says, Come out from among them and be ye separate. Come out from among them. Be separate. Do you know what that means? Simply this, you're not like the other folks. The thing that they run to ain't what you're supposed to run to. Where they get their satisfaction is not where you're supposed to get your satisfaction. Come out from them. God says, don't let the world teach you how to do this thing. Because here's what God says, and you ain't going to like this. Are you ready for me to drop something on you you ain't going to like? He says, if you're going to let them instruct you, then let them fix your issues. Don't come to me to get your stuff straightened out that you done jacked up. Come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. Huh? Do not touch what's unclean. And I will receive you. And then in verse 18 says, I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's El Shaddai. He says, I got more than enough for you, but where are you getting your instruction from? Who are you trying to please? Who, who are you letting please you? Man, I ain't got time to get into this. He says, the minute... I stop being enough for you. I decide to let them get your happiness, supply your satisfaction, and meet your needs. If you want me to meet your needs, you got to make me enough. I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters. But not if you're going to run with that crowd. Not if you're going to make them choices. Not if you're going to do what they do. And then expect me to show up and bless your mess. It don't work like this. is not how this works. This is not how any of this works. Come out from among them and be separate. So we're going to walk. We're going to function according to him being El Shaddai. Because he's there. And even if we can't see what's going on, we got to keep walking. we got to keep living. He's not going to give you a hall pass to excuse you from life just because life got tough. You got to keep living even when you don't see God doing anything. You got to know, God, you are El Shaddai, which means you have more than enough. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I can't see any evidence around me and everything I look at is contrary to what I'm believing you for, that don't make any difference in the world because you are El Shaddai. And if you don't show up today, I'm going to keep walking today into tomorrow because I know in whom I have believed. Even if you don't know what he's doing, keep walking. Even if you can't see what he's doing, keep walking. Even if you're unsure how long it's going to take you to get there, just keep walking. Don't try to, don't try to figure this stuff out. You'll get a headache this big. Trying to make a way yourself. See, God says don't try to figure me out because I'm going to use materials you ain't seen yet. Can you imagine God in the Garden of Eden before he made 
Adam. Can you look? Can you imagine him and the devil, or him and some of them angels having a conversation? He says, he looks over at Jesus and says, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. Remember that conversation? Can you imagine one of the angels stepping up about then and saying, I don't see no flesh growing in this garden. I don't see no livers or hearts. What? Hey, God, what are you going to make a man out of in your image and likeness? You going to make them out of a plantain? You going to make them out? You going to make some women out of some skunk weed? I didn't say that out loud from the pulpit. You going to make a man out of a skunk? Well, how are you going to do that, God? Remember, this is the end of the creation. He's already planted, made all the plants and the animals and He's got all the fish in the sea and all the birds in the air. And at the end of all that, at the end of all that, he says, I'm going to make a man. One of them angels said, where are you going to get the material from? God says, exactly. See, I don't need what you think I need to bring to you what you think you need. Because out of nothing, I will create everything. Because not only do you not know what the end result is, I'm so bad, you don't even know what the beginning things are. You don't know what the material is I'm going to use. See, some of y'all thought when y'all went down to the courthouse that that was the end of your life. God says, I'm going to take that destruction, that nothing, and I'm going to turn it around, and I'm going to use it to build you up, buttercup. You don't understand. Some of y'all thought when you went through that divorce that you would never love again. God says, I'm going to rebuild on top of that foundation and show you exactly what I can do in a life that is submitted to me because I'm El Shaddai. I don't need you to be perfect for me to build a perfect specimen of what I want you to be. I'll create everything out of nothingness. See, if you keep looking for proof of what God's doing, you're going to be constantly irritated and always frustrated because God don't show you what He's doing until He's ready to give it to you. That's his agreement with us. That's his covenant. And that has to be enough to keep you walking. That has to be enough to keep you getting up and praying one more time. Getting up and lifting your hands one more time. Getting up and singing praises one more time. It's a promise. God promised Abraham land. He said, I'm going to give you a land. You know how long they've been trying to get rid of that land over there? It's smaller than Rhode Island. And they've been fighting over it for thousands of years. They've attacked them. They've tried to destroy them. They took the Israelites out and spread them all over the world. But God promised that land to Abram. And they still have it today. Because El Shaddai made himself known to them. You ready for a truth bomb? El Shaddai doesn't show up through your sufficiency. El Shaddai makes himself known through your deficits. See, what we shout about and testify about in church is our sufficiency. But the sufficiency is the end of the thing. El Shaddai already showed up by the time you get to sufficiency. He showed up in your deficit. 
Because it was in your deficit that you would have fallen apart. It was in your deficit that you wouldn't have made it to your sufficiency. Said, had El Shaddai not shown up in your deficit, you would have never made it to sufficiency. Because some of you would have been in jail by now. Some of you would have been dead by now. Some of you would be in a mental institution by now. Some of your lives would look radically different. If he had not shown up in your deficit, you would have left, been left on the side of the road bleeding and distraught. But you are here today because God showed up when you didn't have nothing else. El Shaddai showed up, brought you out, and that has given you what you have right now. He don't show up in sufficiency. El Shaddai shows up in your deficits. I don't know how God's going to work this thing out. If he's got an arrangement with you, he's going to do it. That's the one thing I know. I don't know how long it'll take. I don't know what he's going to do in order to get you there, but I do know this. If he made an arrangement with you, if he's made a promise to you, if he has an agreement to keep, God will show up and do that thing. When I was building the addition on the parsonage up here, on the front of the garage, I put a motion sensor light on it. And as I was preparing this message, I got to thinking about that. When somebody walks in front of that light, I guess it's still on. I don't live up here anymore. When somebody walks in front of that light, the light comes on. When they leave and there's no more motion, the light goes off. Saves electricity. Understand, when I wired that light, I wired power to it always. That's L. And when the power is on and it's sufficient to illuminate the path that should die. So there's power to the room, and the power is sufficient enough, but the power and the light does not converge at the same place at the same time until somebody walks into it. So if you're not walking in the power that is sufficient for your life, it's not because the power is unavailable. It's not because it's not there. It's because where the power is, you ain't. So if you're not in His presence, it's going to seem like you're walking in the dark because you're walking on the wrong side of the street. You have gotten too far away from, strayed too far away from the power source. Because if you're walking into a place where he's not moving, if you're walking into a realm where he's not operating, if you're walking outside of where God's doing his thing, he's doing his thing where his presence is, and where his presence is is where his covenant is mandated. Let me tell you how you'll know if you'll recognize that El Shaddai is working in your life. I'll take you over to the New Testament and show you that when El Shaddai shows up, you have leftovers. You know the story. 5,000 men plus women and children have followed Jesus out into the wilderness. They have gotten so far away from where they started that can't nobody go home and make chicken and dumplings. The disciples come to Jesus and said, Jesus, how are we going to feed all these people? It's Sunday, Chick-fil-A's closed. And KFC already closed down. Church folk get mean when they get hungry and there ain't no chicken. They found one little boy. Andrew finds one little boy with a sack lunch. He must have stopped at Long John's. On the way, he had a three-piece fish meal. He brings it to Andrew. 
Andrew says, Jesus, listen to what he says. He says, Jesus, we got one meal, but among so many, it's not enough. How many times have you brought something to God with an excuse? I'm going to bring it to you, Lord, but it ain't enough. I'm going to bring it to you, Lord. I had enough faith to show up to church with it, but I ain't got enough faith to believe you can multiply it. Jesus said, bring it to me. Send them home, Jesus. We don't have enough food for them. Bring it to me. This is never going to be enough. They are going to rip each other apart over this little fish meal. Bring it to me. I know it's not enough, but bring it to me. Because something will happen when you bring it to El Shaddai. I, I know you don't see how you're going to make it if you put me first, but just bring your life to me. I know you don't know how you're going to survive if that person walks out on you, but just bring your life to me. I know that this is all new to you, and you don't understand how to submit to authority in your life, but bring your life to me. See, the question is not how much you have, it's where you take what you got. Some of us are operating like we are in lack. Lack of love, lack of affection, lack of, uh, of uh, finances, lack of materialism, uh, lack of, of help. But it ain't what you're lacking. It's where you've taken what you do have. Because El Shaddai says, if you bring me what you have, what you have will always be enough. Because Jesus took that little boy's, and, and listen, when they put it in Jesus' hand, can I give you a secret? It ain't enough. There's 20,000 hungry church folks out there. You ever been to a church potluck dinner? And watch the chicken and dumpling bowl get empty? Watch the ham run out too fast? We had a Sunday school picnic over at the... Uh, play, we used to have a Sunday school picnic. We had it out at the park one day. And before the Conley clan ever showed up, all the food was gone. They got to eat what they brought. Not that they was late. <laughs> By the time they got there, all the chicken was gone. All the ham was gone. Lucky they brought their own ham and their own watermelon. Guess what they got to eat? <laughs> ham and watermelon. Because, listen, when church people get together, they want to eat. And Jesus said, bring it to me. It's not enough, Jesus. Bring it to me. Andrew was not wrong when he said... It's not sufficient. You're not wrong when you say, my talent's not enough. My power's not enough. My strength is not enough. You're not wrong. But it's not what you're lacking. It's where you're taking what you do have. Because he said, bring it to me. And notice what he did. As soon as he got it, he bowed his head and blessed it. He blessed what they brought him. A lot of us are trying to survive on unblessed stuff. Jesus only blessed what they brought him. If somebody had some Tic Tacs in their pocket trying to hoard them, they're going to starve to death. If somebody had them a Whopper with cheese up under their arm, hoping nobody else noticed as they was taking bites, they were going to starve to death because Jesus can't bless it unless you bring it to him. But he blessed what they brought him, and a lot of folks are starving to death because they're trying to survive on unblessed stuff, an unblessed relationship.
will starve you. Why do you think you have to get into sin to keep it happy? Because an unblessed job will starve you. I don't care how many hours you work. That's why my bank account, I, I make sure it stays blessed. I give God his share before I ever get mine because I want my bank account blessed. I can't survive on unblessed stuff. 20,000 people were fed and there was 12 baskets of leftovers because that's what El Shaddai does when he shows up. I'm going to leave you with this one thought. And this is a scripture that everybody in this room just about, I would venture to say almost everybody to a T in this room has heard this scripture, read this scripture, saw this scripture on a needle point or a bumper sticker at some point. Psalms 91 and 1. But you've never seen it like this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of El Shaddai. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. If you dwell in the right place. See, dwelling and abiding ain't the same. I dwelled in my house growing up. I abided in chaos. When I became a man, I decided that the chaos I abided in as a child, I would not pass on to my children. I would not have my children despise me the way I despised my father because I was not going to let them abide in the same chaos that I had. I, we both lived in houses, but I was not going to let them abide in my chaos. So dwelling and abiding is not the same thing. Marriage, two people can be married to the same person and she hates his guts and the other woman thinks he's a gem because they're abiding in two different atmospheres. What, what, two people can work the same job and one of them hates their life and the other one appreciates it from sun up to sundown because they're abiding in two different places. They both live, they both dwell in the same job but they're abiding in different atmospheres. So read it again. He who dwells, if you get and live and maintain an abode in the secret place of God, then you will abide under the shadow of El Shaddai. That means the issue is not whether he has the ability to meet your need. The issue is where you're hanging out. He that dwelleth where Shaddai is. If that ain't your hangout, then you're missing it when he does his thing. It ain't that he ain't doing his thing. It ain't that he ain't giving blessing. It's not that he's not able to maintain your peace and your security and give you everything that your heart desires. It's that while he's pouring out blessing over here, you're dwelling over here. If he can ever get you where he is, and you will abide there. That means when you're in God's presence, you're not thinking about being somewhere else. That means when you're in His presence, under His shadow, under His wing, if you are there and you don't want somebody else more than you want God. I've led a lot of young ladies to the Lord over the years who loved Jesus until they found a boyfriend. 
they, they, were, they were trying to get into the secret place with Jesus, but they was abiding out there somewhere. And their heart led them astray. Y'all ain't going to help me now. Y'all ain't got quiet on me. Because where they were abiding, well, the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to show up. Whatever you value most is where your heart will show up. The rest of you might show up in my house. But your heart will show up wherever your treasure is. So if you can, if you can do two things, if you can, number one, find the secret place of God and dwell there... But number two, once you get there, say, this is all I need. And this is all I ever want. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how long it's going to take. But God, I just trust you. I have absolutely no desire beyond being right here in your presence. God, if you bring me somebody else, as long as I don't have to leave where you are to have them in my life, then God, but, but listen, if they're going to try to take me away from here, it took me too long to get right here. I prayed too many prayers to get here. I, I, I cried too many tears to get here. My mama has prayed too many prayers to get me into your presence. And don't you dare let somebody else drag me away. Don't let a job take me. Don't let a career take me. Don't let college take me. Don't let buying a house take me away. I have to work too hard and suffer too long to get here for me to let something else take me out this is where I have to abide and if that's where you're at listen to me El Shaddai will show up in that place and say I don't care if you're 99 years old I'll create everything out of nothing and I've preached all morning 41 minutes and 57 seconds which is 11 minutes longer than I'm supposed to to get you to the place where I can tell you God's already got it all figured out, and He's got everything you need. The only thing that's missing is you. He is the all-sufficient one. He's got everything you need, and the only thing that's missing is you. So when He starts pouring His blessings out, you need to be there. Don't be distracted by everything else. Come out from among them and be separate because they're distracted by the world. They're more interested in what the Kardashians are doing than what Jesus is doing. So you got to come out from among them and be separate. Because what gets them excited shouldn't excite you. What gets them worked up shouldn't work you up. And what makes them worry and fall apart shouldn't make you bat an eye. Because you know who your supply is. Amen? So if I had you this morning to come up to the altar, I'd have everybody stand up and just take a big giant step forward. Here I am, Lord. I need to be under the shadow of the Almighty so that I can abide in your word and abide in your presence and abide in your truth so that I can receive your outpouring and your blessing in my life so in your spirit this morning I'm going to need you to just take a step forward as I pray over you this morning I'm going to need you to just visualize you getting into the presence of God and saying God no matter what happens in my life you are the most important thing to me if you can sell out like that this morning I'm going to pray that God shows up as El Shaddai before your head hits a pillow today
Well, I better clarify that before your head hits the pillow tonight because some of you are already asleep and ain't left the room yet. <laughs> My voice is so soothing it puts some people right to sleep. They don't get no better sleep than they do when they come to Promise of Victory on Sunday. Bishop just rocks them like to sleep. So before you go to bed tonight, I'm going to ask that God show up and show you who El Shaddai is in your life if you take a step into his presence. Where you sell out to everything else and say, God, there's nothing more important than being in your presence. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father God, in the middle of chaos and confusion and corona, we present ourselves to you, God, this morning, a holy sacrifice. God, we want you to be the most important thing that we have, the driving force of our existence, our heart cry, and our meaning and purpose. Every person under the sound of my voice this morning, God, that will spiritually take a step toward you, I pray that El Shaddai shows up in their life. Before they go to bed tonight, God, they will receive a, a blessing of some proportion that will make them say, Ah, oh, I know who that is. That's El Shaddai. He is showing up and showing me that he has every source and supply that I need. And because I took a step forward this morning at church, he is, he is showing me that he has every answer to my needs. I'm, I'm praying that over every person this morning in this room. I'm praying it over myself, God, that I will become what you want me to be. I get up under your shadow, under your wing, and present myself to you. Not only today, not only for a moment, but for the rest of my days and the rest of my moments. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Promise me.